Good morning, NFL fans. Welcome to another episode of Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We have an action-filled episode. I know I say that probably every week, but seriously, we really do this week. Um, you don't you, you get you get a break from listening to me talk for half hour to an hour on today's show. Uh, we got two guests on, which it's been a while since we had two guests on a show. Uh, I guess we had the two guests back in August. Uh, which we had on at the same time. That was the first time we ever done that on the show. That was pretty exciting with the, the guest stars from The Casual Heroes. But uh, we have two guests on individually. We're bringing on FM reporter David Levin. has over 300,000 article views on Football Nation. He writes for a lot of other websites. Him and I break down the Thursday night matchup that we had on Halloween last week. Hope everybody had a great trick-or-treat. So, uh... Him and I break down that Thursday night mat- matchup between the Dolphins and the Bengals, with the Dolphins edging out Cincinnati 22-20. to And then in our second and third segments of today, we bring back Cooper Allen, who's been on the show a couple of times. This is now his third appearance, I believe, is uh, leading uh, among all our guest stars with the most guest appearances. And uh, he'll, him and I will break down the, the entire AFC conference besides the Dolphins and Bengals and kind of... Uh, break down what we've seen so far this season and make uh, some predictions for the last eight games, eight weeks of the year. But first, let's get to that David Levin interview we had with him, actually, that we recorded on Friday. We're now moving to our interview with David Levin from FootballNation.com, a really great contributor on the site, has over uh, 300,000 article views. He's been in the newspaper industry for 20 years, freelance writer for Yahoo Sports and various other sites covering golf and wrestling in addition to football. David, thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, We're going to, with Dave today, we're going to dissect the Thursday night game, Dolphins-Bengals. Let's start with the winning team, the Dolphins. They really got their running game going, which they have been doing for most of the the season. Uh, At times, it's been a little spotty, but uh, had a real complete game running the ball on Thursday. And Lamar Miller was the leading guy, which many people thought he would be from the start of training camp, but hasn't been for much of the season. Uh, I thought, for the most part, the running game did very well. When he had, was it 80-something yards in the first half, mm-hmm. I thought it might be a game where he runs for 130, 140 yards on the night. Um, I know that as, as they move forward, they want to go ahead and use both backs, and Daniel Thomas as well. Lamar Miller is, he should be the lead back. Uh, I know that there was problems with some blocking schemes. He didn't pick some things up. Um, and the line has, has failed them, so they've been trying to find the right combination. I, I think moving forward, he's going to be the lead back, and maybe that's going to propel you know, the offense to do better. It'll make Kenny a, a lot better and a lot more comfortable in the pocket, for sure. Let's talk about that offensive line, Dave, because I think a lot of people that maybe haven't watched the Dolphins that much, and this was really besides the Saints game where they basically got killed, the first time that you got to see them play well in prime time this year. And so I think many people might think, oh, Ryan Tannehill's been struggling or 
Mike Wallace isn't doing anything or why, why isn't Lamar Miller getting me fantasy points? But a lot of that can be contributed to the offensive line's poor play, correct? Well, for the most – like you know, at the beginning of the, in the NFL draft, their main focus was on getting a tackle. And when they traded up to number three, we were all thinking it would be uh, Lane Johnson from Oklahoma. It would be like one, two, three, tackle, tackle, tackle. And then they took Deion Jordan. Then they signed Tyson uh, Clabo um, and went out and got um, last week uh, – uh, Brian, uh, Brian McKinney, right? From uh, mm-hmm. from the Ravens. But the line is still has been problem. It's been awkward. Um, it's been problem with the pass protection and run run protection as well. Uh, and then last night they lost, you know, Jonathan Miller. Martin didn't play last because of, um, you know, personal issues. And Richie Incognito was hurt during the game. Right. And for some reason they tried to play better. And I'm not quite sure <laughs> what happened, but maybe the light went on. The, the, you know, they paid extra attention to, to, you know, blocking teams this week. But the fundamentals really look like they started to, you know, click in. Um, oh. stayed in the pocket a lot more, although he still had three sacks. But the running game really benefited from the way that the line played. And in my mind, watching this team on uh, Thursday. This team's all about the running game, and if they, they if they get that running game established, Ryan Tannehill seems to be play seems to play a lot better. It goes back to old Don Shula days, and, and maybe I'm dating myself, but Don Shula always prefaced with a run until Dan Marino came around. Always prefaced that too. That the run would always establish the pass. Right. And judge, judging by quarterbacks that the Dolphins had over the years until Marino came along, and then after Marino, the run started to establish the pass again. Uh-huh. Um. Blocking schemes were important. And as long as the line can hold up, you know, is not going to be the guy that's going to throw 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns because that's not what he was brought in to do. Right. Um, their, their running backs are deep. They go, you know, they go Miller and then Thomas. And, and Mike Gillis really is a decent back, too. I'm surprised why he hasn't been incorporated into the running game yet. But they have enough um, depth. You know, Charles Clay as well was used. But if the line really holds up and Tannehill doesn't make mistakes, and remember, he had a tendency to lose the football, and right. maybe it's a quick trigger or he gets nervous or he has to escape the pocket. Mm-hmm. As long as Tannehill can stay upright, you know, this team has a chance to really make some noise. Let's switch over to the defense now for the Dolphins. Cameron Wake obviously having the game-winning safety and a huge game overall with three sacks. Who else can step up and be a playmaker on this defense? And is this defense uh, good enough to lead the, the Dolphins to the playoffs this year? Well, the front four is really good. Uh, Wake is there. Peter Solari. Uh, what is it? Um, uh, Olivier Vernon played last night, played really well. They all put pressure on, on Andy Dalton. I, I, we saw the continual unglueing almost in the first half of Dalton and the way he played. You know, those, those, those interceptions aren't like him. So you got to see, you know, a lot of d- defensive pressure. I think the, the linebackers, though, may be the most important part of that unit. You know, Coy Misi, um, you know, uh, Philip Wheeler and, uh, what's the, Ellerby, um, Daniel, Daniel Ellerby. Right, Those yeah. are three agents that were brought in. And while mm-hmm. they are a lot faster and younger than you know, Carlos Stansby that was there, they may not be as good. So the linebacking core is a real important part of the second half. Okay, so, uh, playoff team though. Um, fringe playoff team right now. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking 
nine and seven. To be honest, with you. I, I still think that they're a year away. Okay. And I also think that that you know there was a lot made about all the free agents they got. They yeah. Signed. Mm-hmm. And if Jeff Ireland can't turn it around, he you know there are whispers about like Sherman, but there may be some whispers about Jeff Ireland, their general manager. Hmm. Okay. You don't think nine and seven is good enough for the sixth wild card spot? We have San Diego at four and three. The uh, going into I'm, week nine. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking Kansas City, San Diego, and Denver all get into the playoffs. Okay. Um, and and I'm I really think that two of them are going to come out of the West. Okay. I still think New England will win the division by default. Right. Yeah. And I think Baltimore. No, sorry. Uh, uh, sorry. I was going to say the Baltimore Colts, Indianapolis Colts, <laughs> uh, will, will definitely take the South. And uh-huh. Cincinnati looks like the only team that's going to come out of the, out of the North. So, you know, I still think that right now the West is still the deepest. Okay, yeah, I would agree with that too. Switching over to the Bengals, and I agree that they're even with this loss on Thursday, they're not really in uh, danger of falling out of first place uh, in the AFC North. But let's talk about Andy Dalton. You mentioned that uh, he doesn't normally throw those three interceptions that he threw on Thursday. Um, but what I guess we've seen Jekyll and Hyde now. Maybe you already answered this question, but Dalton has kind of been inconsistent throughout his career, uh, and the Bengals have been inconsistent this season based on how they play at home versus on the road, all three of their losses on the road. Uh, how do you feel about them playing a road playoff game or how Dalton is going to do? Are we going to get the five touchdown performance Dalton or a three interception performance Dalton on, you know, a random Sunday in January? Uh, I don't have the, I don't have the magic eight ball. I mean, if, if I did, I could, I, you know, I could go to Vegas right now and make some money. <laughs> but I know that Dalton was named the player of the month for October and then he completely laid an egg last night. You know, three, he had 300 I think it's 357 yards passing the three interceptions he had fumbled um, and the line didn't seem to give them him constant protection Miami did a really good job and I don't know if you saw it Miami did a really good job spreading its line out when it was when it was blitzing it wasn't a straight blitz up the middle um, their defensive coordinator it, so it looked like there were five up front instead of four and that confused the offensive line and it, it may have forced and rattled, you know, Dalton into making mistakes. If other teams do that, it could be a long second half. Hmm. Um, I think it's to the point now where, you know, his, his third year, um, unlike Luck or Griffin or another quarterback who seems to have matured quickly, this is Andy Dalton's year to make or break him. Um, I think he had a lot of Joe Montana in him. And mm-hmm. I, I, I say that sparingly. But if he is given the right line, he has a tremendous amount of um, you know receivers. He has great running backs, and he should still be very special. Okay, and we've clearly seen that in a few games this year, so it's hard to really disagree. Well, one positive, or maybe the main positive from Thursday night for the Bengals was Gio Bernard went off, had 79 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Uh, did suffer a bit of an injury in the fourth quarter, but if he's healthy, is he the guy going forward, kind of like Lamar Miller should be the guy for uh, the Dolphins in the running game? I think that when you look at, first of all, I'm really glad because I needed a fantasy point from Bernard, and I want to thank him very much for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had him on two teams too. Yeah, yeah, and he's playing for PPR leagues. 
But right. um, what I really appreciate about him is is that you're going to get somebody who can burn you running it or catching it. You know, um, he reminds me a lot of a faster uh, 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 Roger Craig with maybe a better skill set. Okay. And I don't know if you drove up to number Roger Craig you know, in the 80s for the 49ers. I've, I've seen everything. I've seen video. I'm not old enough. I've seen video. Okay, but he does remind me of him, and he's shifty enough to um, maybe in a year to be compared to uh, LaShawn McCoy. I, I, I think uh-huh. he is one of the five backs moving forward in three or four years will be the best of the league. Catfish. Catfish was uh, Roger Craig's nickname. I believe so. Yeah, okay. I do believe so, yeah. I thought, I, okay, I think so, too. As soon as you said that, it popped in my head. <laughs> um, for the defense of the Bengals, they did suffer a huge loss with Geno Atkins. He had a sack in this game at six on the season, but he is apparently out with an ACL injury for the rest of the year. How big of a loss is that for the Bengals' defense that's been really good this year? And, and, and realistically, it's huge for the Bengals. Their, their front line, um, it may be the best in football. And they're their they're second unit with Perfect and, and, and uh, their secondary, which is placed pretty well. Um, those are great players, but the line is the one that, you know, it's like the Dolphins. The line sets the tone. Uh, so I, I'm going to assume Mike Zimmer is going to make adjustments along the line and, uh, this is not a team that's going to lie down. It's still six and three, so I'm assuming that they'll plug the middle and do their best. I mean, they're still a playoff team, definitely. Right. Okay. Final question: Do you have any? You know, I know you don't have the magic eight ball. You have any predictions though uh, for the Bengals? How far they'll go in the AFC playoffs? Uh, AFC championship. I, I'm. It's still Denver's to lose. I really do believe that, but you know. The way it would start today, Denver would be the fifth seed um, because of records. Right. Yeah. You know, but I still think I still think it's Denver to lose. I think Kansas City being undefeated is wonderful, but sometimes they're going to lose. And I don't think they're just going to lose one game. I think they'll lose, you know, maybe two in a row, and mm-hmm. they may. I still think that they're an eleven or five team. But I, right. I, I'm hoping the momentum can, you know continues. Cincinnati's more solid across the board, I think, talent-wise. I would agree with that, too. I think from top to bottom, the Bengals yeah. are maybe the the most complete team in the AFC. Yeah, because I don't see, I don't see New England doing anything either. I think that right. there's going to come a point this year where they're going to implode. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I can see that happening as well. And they'll be in the playoffs, but I don't see them going to another Super Bowl e- either. All right, Dave. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show. Uh, why don't you give us, our, our listeners, your Twitter handle so you can follow, follow your work on there. Sure. You can follow me at David1171 on Twitter. Um, and I appreciate you letting me come on. This has been fun. All right, great. And I hope you can come on again soon. I'd like that. Thanks a lot. Once again, I wanted to thank David Levin for coming on the show today. Great talking Bengals and Dolphins with him. One of the better, maybe the best Thursday night matchup we've had so far. Too bad, probably no one watched it because it was on Halloween. And I loved the reference to Roger Craig. So I think <laughs> uh, David remembers Roger Craig playing, I imagine, and, and I'm not old enough for that. But 
luckily I was able to remember his nickname. So <laughs> all worked out in the end. I, I give all the credit to uh, the America's Game documentary from NFL Network. That's where I learned uh, all about Roger Craig. We're going to take a break and then we'll be back with Cooper Allen. to Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb, and we got Cooper Allen here on the line. How you doing tonight, Cooper? Uh, doing pretty well, Dave. All right, it's great. You could come back on the show. Uh, Cooper and I are going to kind of, I guess, preview slash recap the AFC midway through the season. We're going to do the NFC next week. Um, and who do you got right now as that number one seed, Coop? Uh, I'm sticking with the Kansas City Chiefs. They've uh, they've been a surprise team this year. Obviously, the only undefeated team starting out nine and zero, and I think they can hold on to that number one spot and get the first round playoff by. I agree. Um, you know, I thought about it, and you know, I, I guess it's tough because I don't know about you, but I feel like Denver is on TV where I am every single week. So. I've seen Denver so much more than Kansas City. I don't know if I've really even sat down and watched a full Kansas City game, maybe besides that Eagles game on NFL Network. And that was like, what, week two? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, and, Denver's been in your face. They've been that team that's... The media's all over them. Peyton Manning, MVP, this, uh, throws her seven touchdowns the first week. Right. And they've stole all the headlines. So, obviously, people are going to talk more about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady over Alex Smith. Right, right. But uh, Kansas City just they continue every single week. Know how to get it done. And on uh, Sunday against the Bills, uh, Alex Smith, I don't think, even threw for 150 yards. Didn't throw for a touchdown. But uh, the Chiefs still getting a big win on the road, going into the bye. And they'll be undefeated facing Denver. And I think the goal for them, Cooper, is just split with Denver. With the Broncos already having one loss, and if you take a look at the Broncos' schedule, they have a really tough uh, next couple of games with two against Kansas City still coming up, a couple against San Diego, and going into New England, tough, tough schedule. Yeah, if you look at the Broncos, and well, there's a lot of talk about the Broncos being the 16-0 team, but they've they have a really tough schedule coming up. It's always it's always tough playing against your own division. So they have, right. they have two against San Diego, two against Kansas City, and then the one in New England, as you mentioned, is going to be really tough as well. Yeah, and, and already having one loss, they have the disadvantage over Kansas City. So I, I expect uh, Denver, obviously, to make the playoffs getting that five seed. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And, uh, like, Denver, too, outside of the games that we mentioned already, they have Oakland as another divisional game, and they even have Houston, who's been tonight. Right, yeah, we're actually recording in the middle of that Sunday night game. Last I knew, Houston was leading 24-6 to despite their uh, head coach Gary Kubiak leaving at halftime, going to the hospital after collapsing. Um, we'll have to keep tabs on that, although you may be listening uh, later on in the week and you already know more about the Gary Kubiak story than we do at this point. So, uh, Cooper, who do you have the number two seed in the AFC? Um, 
Yeah, I have that too. Um, you know, I have my doubts about them so far this year, and really just because that offense hasn't been uh, what we've been used to out of New England, but uh, putting up 55 points against the Steelers on Sunday, pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, early in the year, the defense carried the load for the most part. They had what I consider to be one of the better defensive groups uh, in the league. Now with Vince Wilfork and Gerard Mayo both out for the year, um, the defense, obviously, they're still a good group, but they're not going to be as good as they were to start the year. So Brady obviously picked up the slack. He's uh, happy after Gronkowski back in the lineup, and uh, mm-hmm. they're going to look for the offense to carry the load in the second half. Yeah, definitely. I, I, the, the addition of Gronkowski, like you said, is huge, and Danny Amendola caught a touchdown pass, a long pass, had over 100 yards on Sunday, so that was huge as well. And the rookie, not Kembrell Tompkins, but Andre Dobson coming into his own and did very well against the Steelers as well. Yeah, it just it seems no matter who you put in there, uh, Brady's going to find them. He, uh, without Gronkowski, is a little different, but uh, Gronk's opened a lot of options up to the other receivers. So moving on down the seeds, we still have the South and the North left for both of us. I have uh, Indianapolis, despite the score right now on Sunday night, them getting the three seed, and Cincinnati, who I've been high on this year, if you've listened to my shows, Cooper, but uh, just I've watched the Bengals for a long time because my team is in the AFC North, and they just, until they can win a playoff game, I think that people are just going to, to doubt them. And, and kind of like they proved again on Thursday, they lost a game really that they should have won. Yeah, they definitely should have won that game on Thursday. And uh, that's one that I think if they win that game, they're right in the conversation to get that first round by the number two seed with New England. And they lost Geno Atkins to that game as well. Yeah. You know, went down with a torn ACL, which is a huge loss to their defense. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I'm with you on that one, uh, but I have uh, the Bengals actually as my number three seed, and then India is the number four seed. Oh, okay. That's fair. Um, Andy Dalton has been playing a lot better. I mean, he, he didn't play well on Thursday, but uh, five touchdowns in the game before against a very tough Jets defense. The big thing for the Bengals is they're bipolar, how they play versus at home and on the road. Yeah, I'm glad you bring up the reference to Baltimore. He he reminds me a lot of Joe Flacco. Um, and we'll see Flacco won playoff games right away, although it took him a little while to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, he was winning playoff games rookie year, second year, and going to championship games. So we'll see how Dalton does in his third year. He, he, I think he definitely has comparisons to, uh, to Baltimore, uh, to Joe Flacco, although I think the Ravens right now are... Um, Maybe not last year's Ravens, but 
08, 09, 2010 Ravens were probably better than the Bengals are this year. Yeah, that's a fair comment for sure. So, well, we got now one through five all settled because we both have Denver at uh, the five seed, and we only have one difference between the just what seed Indianapolis and Cincinnati gets. Who do you have as the last wild card, Cooper? San Diego and Miami. The Chargers will go into Miami, and that's the game that will decide the sixth seed, I believe. And I think Miami with home field advantage will take that one and get the number six seed. Okay, yeah, I I think Miami will as well. Um, and we talked about them a lot in the previous segment with uh, Dave. So yeah, we kind of already gone over the Dolphins. Who else do you think? Has a shot though at getting that wild card. On my my card, I got the Jaguars, Steelers, Bills, Raiders uh, as the four teams out of it. I actually wrote the Bills twice. That was a mistake. <laughs> um, is everyone else alive? Are there any? My do you think I'm wrong? Are any of those teams still have a chance, or uh, are there more teams that don't have a chance than even those four? Miami in the sixth seed, but then I also I think San Diego will be in the hunt, uh, the Jets will be in the hunt, Tennessee will be in the hunt, and with the way Houston played on uh, Sunday night, uh, it's it's too little too late for them with uh, mm. with games coming up against New England and Denver and then Indianapolis again, but they could pull together a few wins and end up at 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, and, and just be in the conversation. You know why I left Houston in the you know who is still alive category was because of the new quarterback. The, they're rejuvenized with this case. Um, I don't even know if I could say his last name. Uh, Keenum. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Okay. Keenum. <laughs> I shouldn't doubt myself. Yeah, the 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 young uh, gunslinger from Texas. I think it's just juvenized this team, and we've seen it in the past where rookie quarterbacks can go, or you know, young quarterbacks can go on uh, runs. And it'll be, yeah, like you said, against some really tough teams. But uh, we saw it last year with the Redskins. So I wouldn't count out Houston. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to be in the playoffs, but I wouldn't count them out yet. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they, uh, they've got teams coming up. That I think they have two left against Jacksonville still and one against Oakland. Very winnable games. Yeah, exactly. So that... I think we mentioned every single team, at least mentioned the teams that are out of it. But the last two that we should mention um, from the AFC North, the Super Bowl champs from last year, Baltimore Ravens and uh, the Cleveland Browns. Actually, they played each other and the Browns defeating Baltimore. Cleveland, 4-5 and five so far this year. And Baltimore lost the last two, both two division opponents, one of them to the Steelers and the way Pittsburgh's played the last two weeks, that looks like a really bad loss for the Ravens. Yeah, that was definitely a tough one for Baltimore. Um, but as I mentioned in uh, when we did the preview show back in September, I thought Cleveland would finish ahead of Baltimore. Hmm. Um, I love what I love their coaching staff, and they have them conditioned to play every week. They, uh, they've been a tough test for nearly everyone. Uh, they have a great defense and. We've seen big offensive contributions from guys like Josh Gordon and Jordan Cameron. Right, yeah, and 
It's kind of been a quarterback carousel, but Jason Campbell kind of settling into that role and has played pretty well the last two weeks. Yeah, he hasn't been bad. I mean, you know, uh, you know what you're getting from Jason Campbell. He's obviously he's not going to go out and leave a team in the playoffs, but just a little bit of stability is all they really needed. Uh, Brandon Whedon just didn't look comfortable as a starting quarterback, and Campbell has been able to put some points up on the board and get a couple victories for the Browns. Right, couldn't agree more. The stability has really helped that organization and really that city as a whole. So we'll see how those two teams and the rest of the AFC shakes out the rest of the year. Do you have a super mid-season Super Bowl pick, Cooper? I, To be honest, I don't remember who you picked back in uh, late August, early September. So you could change your mind if you want. Uh, yeah, I took, uh, I took Houston coming out of the AFC, so I definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely going to change my mind on that one. All right. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough to say right now because you never know. As I mentioned earlier, a team like Cincinnati could catch fire like the Baltimore Ravens did last year and go all the way. But uh, I, think with the way, uh, I think with the way Tom Brady and that New England offense is playing right now, it's, it's hard to go against the Patriots coming out of the AFC. Always a good pick. Um, I like Kansas City. I know that's the dark horse still, and they'd be the one seed as of right now, and, and as our predictions would say that they'd be the one seed. And I never like picking the one seed, but... I'm really anxious to see how that defense does against a team like Denver or New England. Um, and there's some really good offenses that could be in the playoffs in the AFC. And Kansas City, really, maybe the one dominant defense left in the league. I know people talk about Seattle and San Francisco being dominant. Maybe San Francisco still is. But Seattle, like we saw on Sunday, Tampa Bay putting up 24 points and Mike James going off for 100 yards, a backup running back. So I, I uh, question whether they are really a dominant defense like Kansas City is. So, I, But I am anxious to see how Kansas City does against a, a really good offense, especially in the playoffs. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'd, uh, I really want to pick Kansas City. Like, I'd love to see them go all the way. I think it'd be great for the NFL to have Mm-hmm. kind of that dark horse team right back in it. Yeah, I, I would agree but with at that. at the same time, yeah. And, but I don't know, there's just, it's, I feel like, I feel like they, they could be one and done, or two and done in the playoffs kind of thing. Right now, I, I got to lean towards Tom Brady over Alex Smith for now. <laughs> That's never a bad decision. Yeah, exactly. We'll see how things go in the next couple of weeks, though. If Kansas City proves that they can hang, Right, yeah. I, I think the the one, circle the one game, on. actually it's on Sunday night, Kansas City versus Denver. That's going to tell us maybe how the whole AFC is going to shake out. Yeah, for sure. That'll definitely be one to watch. So we're going to take a break, but Cooper is staying right here with us. We're going to come back and then uh, talk a bit about uh, some disappointing, surprising players and our MVP pick in the AFC. Wake up, Maggie, I-
We're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. Your host, Dave Holcomb, with Cooper Allen. Let's uh, give the listeners our Twitter handles, Cooper. Mine is D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. And mine is Cooper Allen 47. All right, yeah, we, uh, we tweet all about football, other sports, and other interests that we have. I know I was tweeting about uh, some Halloween movies over the weekend, so... Uh, but back to football and the AFC. Disappointing player for you now, uh, Cooper. I know that you did disappointing player for the first half and your, your pro- projected disappointing player for the last eight weeks of the season. So who are those guys? Um, for the first half, I went uh, with C.J. Spiller. Uh, he came into the year uh, with a lot of hype surrounding him. He was supposed to be the number one back in uh, Buffalo. But Fred Jackson stole a lot of his carries again. He's been battling an injury all year. He just hasn't put up the same numbers that he did just a year ago. And then for the second half, I had the disappointing player as Trent Richardson. Um, he's had just two touchdowns in five games since being traded to Indianapolis from Cleveland. Uh, they're going to need him to step up big with Reggie Wayne out, but I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I, it's just been, I think it's a lost cause right there. I mean, it, I was so excited, along with everyone else, that he was going to such a great offense, and he's been nothing but a disappointment so far. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it was a big trade. Jim Irsay was all over it. He was, had everyone hyped up. So now it's next to nothing at this point. Right, yeah. And uh, the Colts would certainly like for him to step up without uh, Reggie Wayne, but like you said, I don't see it happening either. For me, I actually only picked a disappointing player for the first half, but I probably could, could apply the same guy to the second half, and that was Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, just been a huge disappointment. In eight games, 122 rushing attempts, 391 yards, average of 3.2 per carry, and he has two rushing touchdowns, and I got this guy on, like, two or three fantasy teams, Cooper. It's killing me. Yeah, and I really, like, you got to feel bad for a guy like Maurice Jones who play in Jacksonville, but at the same time, he's been on bad Jacksonville teams that have and put up big numbers, so for guys who took him second and third round in fantasy or for people who are hoping that he'd be able to find the end zone, he just hasn't done that for them this year. Right, and you figure that somebody is going to move the ball with the Jaguars, and and MJD is in a contract year, so you thought he would be motivated to play, and not that he's not, but just he's just been awful. The whole team has been awful. Yeah, you really expect more from a guy like MJD. I mean, you really you feel for him, but at the same time, you got to produce. So who are your surprising players for the first half and then uh, your projected one for the second half? Uh, For the first half, I went with uh, Jordan Cameron. And as I mentioned earlier, he's been a big part of the Cleveland offense. Um, He's the second most yards among tight ends. Uh, He has more touchdowns than Brandon Marshall, Larry Fitzgerald, DJ Green. Uh, Third most receptions in the league prior to this week. And... It's just, it's crazy. He's been right up there with Jimmy Graham, even going toe-to-toe with him. And he, he came out of nowhere, really. Like, not many people knew the guy, and now he's 
starting to turn into a household name. Yeah, it's amazing that these tight ends, and I actually have a tight end from my surprising player, just uh, have become such a focal point for offenses, and it's the each team is trying to find the next Antonio Gates, the next Jimmy Graham, and um, a lot of teams are finding guys like that. Yeah, it's it's just it's scary how big, strong, and fast all these guys are getting. I mean. As a defense, I don't know how, if I've got a guy who's six foot six, 250 pounds that can run a 4'4 four four coming at me, I just, I don't know how you stop that. <laughs> it's it's true. I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because it's true, and, and we've seen it across the league. Like I said, I mean, even Tony Gonzalez can throw it into that, and uh, Rob Gronkowski, they're, they're mismatches. Corner can't um, keep, cover him because he's too big, and a linebacker's not fast enough. So my surprise player is... Julius Thomas, 39 catches, 451 yards, and he's got the eight touchdowns, which is right up there for uh, the league lead in receiving touchdowns. Yeah, that's another great choice. It's both these tight ends have absolutely lit up the league. Um, they've been great addition to fantasy football. Just, they've been a lot of headlines. Now, did you say your surprising player for the second half? I haven't yet, but uh, I'm going to go with Case Keenum, uh, the Houston Texans' new rookie quarterback. Or not rookie, but young quarterback that we were talking about earlier. Right, and we should update our uh, listeners who are listening, of course, Monday morning after the Sunday night game is already over, but we're recording during the game, and there's about six minutes left, and the Colts are making a comeback there, so we'll keep you updated as long as we're on the air here. My surprise player for me the second half, Cooper, is Keenan Allen. And we've He's been surprising the last couple of weeks, but I expect him to continue to turn it on. And He's got 339 yards so far this, this year, receiving two touchdowns, and he had a big game against the Redskins, getting over uh, 120 yards and a score. San Diego is the reason that they're going to be rating the wild card hunting Antonio Gates is having a great year. And then you got Keenan Allen and Eddie Royal are both doing very well in the in the passing game. They've got a ton of weapons for Philip Rivers to throw to this year. Right, and the the reports and during the summer where Philip Rivers has passed his prime and he doesn't have his arm strength anymore. Blah blah blah. Well, he's definitely proving that he's still a, a top ten quarterback in the league, and all i got to do is surround him with some talent. Oh, for sure. He's, uh, he surprised me. He's had a great year this year, and uh, he's helped keep, uh, helped keep San Diego in contention. Last thing before we let you go, who will be your MVP in the AFC at the end of the year, including the first nine weeks and then the last eight? Charles here. Uh, this is probably something that would surprise a lot of people. Most people are talking Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. You got to give it to one of them. But I, I got to go with Charles. He's really he's carried the Chiefs' offense. Uh, he leads the team in both rushing and receiving yards. Uh, he's on pace to have 385 touches this year. Wow! And that, yeah. And over 300 carries, and also I think it was 85, around 85 receptions as a running back. 
Yeah, he's certainly been the the Chiefs' offense, I'd say, and been. He's also been helped by Alex Smith, but of of course he's he's carried that team. And I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I was going to go with the the mundane answer, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. I figured you were going to pick one, so I was going to go with the other. Um, but I'm glad that you uh, you brought another player to the table. And wouldn't it be great to have another running back after Adrian Peterson won the MVP last year? Yeah, exactly. I love uh, I love what Charles has been able to do this year. Uh, one interesting stat I found uh, earlier: they have Dwayne Bow with the Chiefs has 302 receiving yards this year, and Charles has 301 receiving yards just after the catch. <laughs> Wow, I know. Well, Bo could fall under one of those disappointing players uh, in that category. Yeah, for sure. It's just uh, just looking at it, and it's crazy to see that the Chiefs' no, supposed number one receiver has just as many yards as their running back does after the catch. Yeah. Wow. That is that is crazy. All right, well, once again, Cooper, thanks for coming on the show. We did the AFC this week. We hope that you can come back and do the NFC next week. Um, and uh, keep looking out for Cooper's stuff. He does great things on Football Nation, great writer. And uh, him and I team up every week and preview uh, the games and give you some uh, survivor picks and such uh, every Friday, the article called First and Ten. Right, yeah, we have uh, at least eight more weeks of the series and, and maybe even some playoffs. So, once again, Cooper, thanks for coming on the show. No problem, Dave. Looking forward to next week. If I listen long enough to you, I'd find a way to believe that it's all true. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. Your host, Dave Holcomb. Before we say goodbye for today, I want to wrap up a couple loose ends here. Uh, well, for one, don't forget to check out our recommended work that we have uh, below the po- where the podcast is playing on the article page. Lots of work from uh, David Levin and Cooper Allen this week. Great guys to talk to and also really great writers. So uh, check out their work. Also, there's a couple other uh, articles that I referenced. Uh, one from Austin Brock about the Chiefs and the Bills game. Uh, and another one from uh, Gladys Louise Tyler. Uh, one that I actually don't really agree with, but I you know, felt like uh, it was worth getting her opinion out there anyway. Uh, five reasons Mike Smith needs to go for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I think Mike Smith is a really great coach, so I would, I would uh, hold off on firing him if I was the Atlanta Falcons. But uh, still very interesting to hear uh, opinions like that. As far as the rest of the what I wanted to wrap up with and the NFL action, uh, I'll run through each game real quick and just say one thing about each one. Carolina defeating the Falcons 34-10. Is that an upset anymore? (laughs) 
Falcons have just been such a huge disappointment that uh, I still I think many fans are hoping that that you know that they're favored in these kind of games and they're really not. So again, getting blown out by another team that is actually overachieving in the NFC. That the, last week it was the it was the Cardinals. This week it's the Carolina Panthers and another division loss for the Falcons. Not good in Atlanta. Redskins edging the Chargers in overtime. That was a big win for the Washington Redskins. They're staying alive out there in the NFC East. And the Chargers, tough loss trying to keep pace with the Chiefs and Broncos. Well, they kept, well, they didn't keep pace with the Broncos, but fell a half game behind them as they are on the bye. The Jets and Saints, Jets pulling the upset. That is an upset, I would say, 26-20. to Really good game uh, by the Jets. Every other week, they play well. This was the week that they played well, and now they're 5-4 and four going into the bye. Maybe they'll uh, not play, they'll, they'll play badly next week on their bye and then come back after the bye and, and, <laughs> and play well. Rematch of Super Bowl 34. The Titans defeated the St. Louis Rams 28-21. Dallas came back to defeat Minnesota and avoid disaster there, winning 27 to 23. Kansas City stays undefeated, beating the Bills 23 to 13. Seattle had to come back against Tampa Bay and won in overtime 27 to 24. Philadelphia, this is the one that I wanted to talk about a little bit more than all the others. Nick Foles throws for a record seven touchdowns as the Eagles win 49 to 20 over the Oakland Raiders. Wow, this is the just the seventh time in NFL history where a quarterback threw for seven touchdowns in one game, and we've seen it twice this season. <laughs> um, man, I, I, I guess we'll have to discuss this later on because we don't have a ton of time right now. But I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have time next week with Cooper Allen when he comes back. But uh, with this performance, has he now earned the starting job in Philadelphia, or? Is he the next Matt Flynn? The next Kevin Cobb? One-hit wonders. Now, Kevin Cobb, I, mean, I, I don't think he was even a one-hit wonder, but uh, Matt Flynn, one big game. Got him a big contract. Could that be happening again for Nick Foles? I'm, I'm sure Eagle fans are hoping that, I mean, whether he gets a big contract or not, that he uh, ends up producing a lot more than Matt Flynn is producing right now in the NFL. Moving on, uh, New England just trounced the Steelers 55-31, to 31, the most points Pittsburgh had ever given up in franchise history, an embarrassment for them. Cleveland finally beat Baltimore. I mean, every single year it seems like Cleveland comes really close to beating the Ravens, and somehow Baltimore comes back and wins an ugly game like 15-12 to 12 or 18-14. to 14. This year, Cleveland got out to the lead. Baltimore was coming back. They held on, won 24-18, and like we mentioned with, with Cooper in the prior uh, segments, the Browns, 4-5 and, and and very much alive in the race in the AFC. And on Sunday night, one that I waited until after it was over to, to record this last segment because uh, the Colts were on there, like we mentioned, that were coming back in the process of coming back as we were talking to Cooper and they completed that comeback, winning 27-24. to And I want to end the show discussing Gary Kubiak and actually John Fox for the Broncos who are on a bye this week. Both these coaches over the weekend 
uh, Gary Kubiak's happening on Sunday night during the game, uh, Kubiak collapsed at halftime as his team, the Texans, were running into or you know jogging into the locker room. Kubiak, you can tell they they show video of him in very uh, you know a lot of discomfort. And at the, about the 24-yard line, actually collapses to his knees and lays down on the field. And seek, uh, medical attention comes to him immediately, and they escort him off on a stretcher and take him to the hospital. Now, the really don't know m- much as of yet. Uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, there's probably a lot more more news about it. But the early uh, reports say that it was not a heart attack and he was taken to the hospital just as a precaution. We all hope and pray that uh, Gary Kubiak will be all right and will be able to uh, coach his team again next week. And I'm sure, I mean, although the football game is really a, a, mute, a moot point, as long as Gary Kubiak is okay, you have to take into account that I mean, the Texans were rocking in this game. They were at home. They had their confidence. They had this, you know, the young quarterback we were talking about with Cooper in case uh, Kaneem. And he was doing so well, along with the whole team, the defense, everything. was going so well, up 21-3 to and then 24-6 at one point, And 21 unanswered points from the Colts as they come back to win 27-24. to How much of that? was due to the loss of Kubiak. And I think you could probably say most of it, if not all of it, was contributed to the loss of Gary Kubiak. I think a better question might be how how much of it was contributed to the fact that Kubiak was not there to lead the offense and call the plays, which the offense went completely uh, dormant in the second half, only getting a field goal, versus how much of it was an effect psychologically and mentally for the team to go into the locker room without their head coach, seeing their head coach go out on an ambulance to the hospital, having to play another half of football under Wade Phillips. feel bad for Wade Phillips getting rushed into that situation. I mean, he's been a head coach before, but still very difficult. And Texans ultimately aren't able to hold on to win the game, and that's a big loss because I had them again in the prior segment, saying that they were going to be still alive in uh, the AFC now with this loss. And like Cooper said, the very tough schedule up ahead. It's pretty much uh, season over at 2-6 and six, uh, for the Texans. Only one team, they put this uh, graphic up during the game, only one team in NFL history has started 2-6 and six and made the playoffs, and that hasn't happened since 1970. So I wouldn't count on it happening this year. Last uh, thing for uh, the, the show today, John Fox. I mean, the Texans are hoping that Gary Kubiak is back, but the Broncos have pretty much come to terms that John Fox is going to be out several weeks. He uh, suffered a heart attack over the weekend playing golf during the bye week. He was playing in North Carolina, and the coach is going to have to have heart surgery to repair a valve valve in his heart. The team is expected to announce an interim head coach on Monday. By the time uh, this podcast comes out again, 
there might have already been an announcement for who is going to be that interim head coach, but it's expected to be Jack Del Rio. I would be surprised if it's anybody else. Um, he is the obvious choice being the defensive coordinator and having prior uh, off, uh, prior head coaching experience. So he would be the, the obvious choice. Of course, I mean, uh, Del Rio had some good seasons with the Jaguars, but uh, uh, John Fox, I would say, is a much more successful NFL coach than uh, Jack Del Rio has been. Though um, I, I don't think they've, they're necessarily in bad hands with Jack Del Rio. So, But the Broncos would definitely like John Fox to come back as quickly as possible. He's out several weeks is the, the report as of right now. So that we're looking at maybe late December, early January for the playoffs for John Fox to come back. So we're looking at another. We saw um, an interim head coach last year with health issues uh, with the Colts who played Sunday night with, against the Texans. Uh, again, Bruce Arians, as everyone knows, came in and coached really well and motivated the Colts to that 11-5 record. Took them to the playoffs. Jack Del Rio, I mean, the team's already 7-1. You don't have to do that much, but he's looking to do the same thing, very similar to what Bruce Arians did. And uh, if Gary Kubiak does end up missing any time, uh, Wade Phillips will be rushed in to try and salvage whatever's left of the Texans' season. That's all I have for today. Don't forget to check out the work that I recommended and FN Radio with Todd DeFreeze and Bill Enright every Tuesday and Thursday, 12 to 2. Until next week, I'm going to go and try and find some peace in my mind. 